Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hey, Tom, over the course of your career, uh, your teams have been really successful at avoiding going 0-2, you know. Um, is there a, a unique or a special kind of level of growth that a football team from your experience can undergo from week one to week two in terms of, of avoiding that, that kind of thing? I think, you know, any week is, is about the same thing. It's not, you know, beginning of the season, middle of the season, end of the season, playoffs. It's just all winning football. So, you know, how do you do that? You, you know, you score points. How do you score points? Well, there's a lot of ways to do that. Offense, defense, special teams. If I look at it from my standpoint on offense, you know, we got to do it when we're out there, which means eliminate negative plays, have good communication. It's very tactical. So, you know, it's it, winning the game is a byproduct of doing a lot of things the right way. And, you know, that goes all the way down into your practice, to your preparation, to your attitude, to your teamwork, to your commitment, to your discipline, to your determination, to how tough you are mentally, physically, are you making the right plays on a daily basis? And, you know, we got to, you know, all those things come up and we're going to improve them. You know, we see they're not right. We're going to try to improve them. This is the Big Nasty. Yeah, Big Nasty. Hall of Fame Tampa Bay Buccaneer fan, baby. This is Mike Allstott, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and you're listening to the Cannon Fire Podcast. Cannon Fire Podcast, brother. You ain't listening, and you're missing out. Ladies and gentlemen, to a brand new edition of the Cannon Fire Podcast. Back at you today for episode 129. It's officially week two of the NFL season. And the Buccaneers have a game this Sunday. They're taking on division rivals, the Carolina Panthers. And they're doing it in an empty Raymond James Stadium. So Tom Brady will make his Tampa debut in front of the NFL camera people, and maybe the coaching staff who are watching the game. Welcome back to the show. I am your host, Rhett Matthew. Joined alongside me, as always, my good buddy and co-host, the Philly Bucks fan himself, Mr. Evan Wanish. And we've got a very special guest joining the show today. We've got an awesome game preview stacked. Mr. Bucks Nation on YouTube, a.k.a. good friend of the show, James Hill. How are we doing today, boys? Good. Good. All that. <laughs> all that for just good. I'm doing yes. fine. I'm doing, I'm Listen, doing swell, Redicus. So for okay, the I'm people who uh, who obviously won't know, this is like take three or four of this episode yeah. of the podcast. And um, between technical difficulties, uh, James trying to drink on our show, which goes on YouTube and hopefully gets monetized. Correct. To... A bunch of other things. This is this is our attempt. This is the one that I think is going to make it, and um, I think we're feeling good about it. We got a good show on our hands. I'm really excited. We're yeah, all to wearing, be fair, we're, we're all wearing to be fair, our Camp was, podcast shirts. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah repping so. the brand. Yeah, that's right. So it's also available in black if that's more your style. So there you go. Um, 
Yeah, but I mean, to be fair, uh, James was drinking root beer, so it was, oh, it was okay. Correct. Yeah. yeah. Zach, it's true. All right. So we have got a lot of things that we need to get to. First and foremost, before we get into the injury report or any of the game preview, I feel like I need to reach out to my fellow Bucks fans for a second and um, just remind everybody that there is a plethora of Buccaneer fan-driven content that is just head and shoulders better than the daytime talk shows that you're going to be looking at on Fox Sports or ESPN nowadays. I think adding fuel to the fire and giving these clowns like Skip Bayless and Max Kellerman, sometimes Stephen A. Smith, I, I think giving these guys a platform to talk about Bucks football as if they know what they're talking about is just shameful. And, and I think it is a friendly reminder. First off, if you're listening, I really do appreciate you listening. But there are a ton of other Buccaneers podcasts as well. So for anybody who doesn't already, make sure you go check those out because I'm just – I'm just tired of hearing these guys talk on my TV. I'm tired of it being the first thing I see on Twitter is, you know, Max Kellerman says that Brady is obviously in the decline because Bruce Arians came out and publicly criticized him. Listen, it's not breaking news that Bruce Arians vocally criticizes someone on his football team. That's Bruce being Bruce. That's the line. That's what you're always going to hear. And it's definitely not breaking news for Tom Brady. Like, the guy's played for 20 years. He's seen it all. I guarantee you. Bill Belichick has thrown in some shade maybe one time or another in New England. I mean, let me get off of my soapbox, but, like, I'm just tired of seeing it, guys. What did, What are you thinking? I mean, those guys are they're, – they're paid by the big networks to put out the hot takes. Yeah. So you have Max Kellerman saying Brady's washed, and you have Skip Bale saying Brady's not washed, but the coaching staff is terrible and stuff like that. So, yeah, you're never going to get – because – God forbid they say that the Bucks are fine and move on. That's not a hot take. So, you know, they got to do that. So, I mean, yeah, there's a ton of, of you know, content out there for, for Bucks fans. And uh, I, I look at other NFL teams, and I don't, even, I don't even think that other NFL teams have as many different styles um, of content that, you know, Buccaneers fans do. And, I mean, there's so many different podcasts out there now that are good ones, you know. Uh, and each one of them has a different style, and they do different things. And then, obviously, of course, you know, we got basically the king of, of Buccaneers YouTube on here with us, right, Mr. Bucks Nation, right, who has been doing it for – yeah, okay. he's been doing it Relax. for you know, a long time. So, I mean, you got him, you know, whether it's YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, it's just it's all over the board. And I, I think, you know, Bucks fans should really, really hopefully enjoy all of them and just whatever. Like ESPN, Fox, they're all they're all big corporations who don't really care as much. Yeah, I mean, and that's that's their jobs, like you said, Evan, is like their jobs are to bring up controversy, to add spice to situations when there literally is probably nothing there. I think that whatever situations, you know, there's nothing going on and it's the national media's job to make it look like there's stuff going on. Uh, that's just what they're there to do. That's their jobs. But, you know, even more so than that, I think that one of the benefits of listening to more local content creators like podcasts, like YouTube channels, like whatever other forms of content are out there is that you're going to get more in-depth looks at the entirety of the team. You're not just going to sit there and hear on an ESPN or wherever else they're, you know, talking about the Buccaneers. You're not just going to hear, okay, Tom Brady and the coach don't like each other. 
okay, that's it. Let's move on. We're done talking about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Like you're going to hear other stuff about the rest of the team. That's more factual. That's um, has a lot of knowledge behind it and will overall increase your uh, fanhood because you're learning more about the team and about every single player on the team. So there's just a long list of benefits to just listening to local fan content, you know, on different platforms rather than listening to the national talking heads when it comes to talking about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Pretty much, man. And when you want to balance, look at the rest of the team, like you brought up, great way to do it is is all of these fan websites, all of the guys who were paid to do it. I mean, all of your pewter reports, all of your, I guess, Tampa Bay Times, you know, there's quite a bit out there that you can dive into if you're a Bucks fan and looking for content on the team. And if you're listening to us, then we truly appreciate you doing it with us. Now, speaking of the rest of the team, we have an injury report to go over. So let's go over the latest injury report that dropped today, right around 4.15 p.m., we're going to go down this list of players and give you their updates. We're also going to go over the Panthers injury report. Not the ones that you don't care about, not the full participation guys, but we're going to go over some key players for Carolina that may be missing action this weekend. So let's get into it. Starting off with Tampa Bay. Tight end Anthony Allclair with a calf injury did not participate at practice today. Wide receiver Mike Evans with a hamstring injury was limited participation. And a follow-up quote from Mike Evans. He said he's feeling about as good as he can be. And for a guy that played last Sunday, I mean, I, I kind of have no doubts that he's going to play at this point. Right, guys? Yeah. Yeah. I would, yeah. Yep. I would say so. It, it, so Mike Evans, good to see. I'm expecting him to hopefully have a bounce back game. I'd love to see him kind of be the guy. And with this next guy on the injury report, he very well could be that main faucet for Tom Brady in this offense. Chris Godwin with a concussion did not participate. So it's an interesting case with Chris Godwin. He came out of Sunday's game after a hit from DJ Swearinger, and he didn't practice for a couple of days, but I guess the consensus was he was feeling all right. He was out there participating a little bit, and then he started to develop some symptoms, and they put him on concussion protocol. Right? Is that is that what I understand to be true? So the way I was told was basically Monday he felt fine. They don't have practice on Mondays. Tuesday, he felt fine. They don't have practice on Tuesdays. And he was available for the media on Tuesday, which if you're in concussion protocol, you're not allowed to be available for the media. So a lot of people thought, okay, he's not in concussion protocol. All of a sudden, yesterday, he pops up on the injury report and did not practice is and is in concussion protocol. So there was a doctor who had tweeted out, basically, he thinks that Chris Godwin could maybe miss multiple weeks because – it, with a concussion, when you're showing late symptoms, it's maybe worse. Now, I don't know, obviously, obviously the severity of the concussion, but he didn't practice again today, which is we're recording this on Thursday, the 17th. So it's not a good sign for his status on Sunday. I would be shocked if he played um, just because, I mean, if you get put in concussion protocol on a Wednesday and you're supposed to play on Sunday, I just I don't see how you're going to play. Um, but hopefully they have him back for, for week three in Denver. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I find it, you know, even Wednesday makes it a whole lot worse. But even if you're put on a Monday or Tuesday, I mean, there still isn't a whole ton of expectation that you're probably going to play in the next game. Um, so, yeah, I would say Chris Godwin's probably not going to be playing in this game versus the Panthers. Um, that is interesting that you said, you know, 
in regards to late symptoms, he might have to miss multiple weeks. That would be unfortunate. But in terms of talking about this upcoming game, I don't think he's playing at all. Yeah, I don't have a lot of high expectations for Chris Godwin to take the field on Sunday. And I mean, I guess it's okay. You know, we we had this situation, I guess, last Sunday. Obviously, we weren't dealing with an injury. But when you have a wide receiver essentially taken off the field and Mike Evans, who didn't have a very good week one performance, you've got those guys that you can dump the ball off to. I mean, Scotty Miller having a really good day. I'm excited to see if he can step up and take this opportunity of Chris Godwin maybe missing some action this Sunday. Let's close out the injury report for Tampa Bay. Outside linebacker Jason Pierre-Paul, not injury-related, did not participate. Probably just a veteran day off. Tackle Donovan Smith with a knee injury, limited participation. Now, this one's also kind of tricky because during the New Orleans game, towards the end of the game, you could see him kind of limping on and off the field. So how long do you guys think this has been bothering him? Probably sometime in the New Orleans game, but I'd, I'd expect him to give it a go. Yeah. Would you expect him to give it a go and, I mean, really just show some improvement from last week? Because, I mean, at this I, point, you know, I, I worry more about an injured Donovan Smith more than, you know, I, I guess what I thought was a healthy week one Donovan Smith. So when I when I went back and watched that game, now I've, I've always said, I said on the, what, the Monday show that I think, you know, he's an average left tackle that just had an awful game. I'll tell you what, that might have been the worst game he's ever played in his life. Yeah. I, I think he was just, I mean, sometimes, you know, there could be games where he doesn't play great. He doesn't play good at all, but he has some flashes. He has some reps where you're like, okay, like that, that's good. That's good. I mean, outside of the first quarter, James summed it up perfectly with that chart he did. It's, I mean, that was, it was just brutal. And I think he'll probably bounce back just because I don't know how much worse he could get, basically. So, well, you know, you know, like like you said, Evan, I I charted on Twitter. I put it on my community tab on on here on YouTube. I mean, he got beat a lot after that first quarter, and some of it was ugly. They, as far as I saw, they put Cam Jordan on Donovan Smith one time, as far as what I was seeing in terms of him getting beat. I'm surprised they didn't put him on for the entire game because i mean the one play where cam jordan went up against donovan smith he just shoved him right to the ground and got a tackle for loss on ronald jones but to make matters worse donovan smith was getting beat by a second string and third string defensive end consistently throughout the the entirety of that game so overall yeah i do want to see donovan smith improve this injury this thing he had that injury, like you said, Rhett. Uh, he, he definitely sustained it maybe at some point during the game. But uh, if he's got a bum knee, that's not going to help him at all against Carolina. Uh, so especially for a game where he needs to bounce back. Absolutely. A lot of eyes are going to be on left tackle Donovan Smith this Sunday. So we'll see if he can bounce back. But a pretty tricky situation with that knee injury. So that's the latest injury report regarding Donovan Smith. To close things out for this latest injury report for the Bucks. Safety, Jordan Whitehead with an elbow injury. He was full participation today, so, I mean, he's going to play on Sunday. And while we're talking about him, what did you guys think of Jordan Whitehead last week? Because I've heard quite a few people say that, you know, this secondary had a pretty good start, but he might have been the one that we're going to want to take a closer look at this week. It's tough because... I obviously haven't had the chance to go and look how he was in pass coverage, but I still thought he was an overall pretty decent tackler. I thought he still 
he did Jordan Whitehead things good, which was, you know, being pretty decent in run defense, uh, still being around the football when he needs to be and things like that. Um, in terms of his pass coverage, I'm not sure yet. I know he had that pass interference uh, play where he was pulling down, I believe, Emmanuel Sanders right right around here on his jersey. Can't really do that, especially in, you know, 2020 NFL. Um, to say he's the weak link of the secondary or something like that, I'm not sure. Uh, he might not have had the best game, but, uh, you know, I don't think he had a terrible game in week one versus the Saints. I thought the defense as a whole actually played pretty good. Yeah, I, I, I thought Whitehead, you know, like you said, in run support, he seemed to be all right. It seemed to be much better than his pass coverage. He obviously had that, that critical pass interference call on Emmanuel Sanders, which gave the Saints a touchdown, basically. Um, obviously, that's that's what most people will remember, uh, unfortunately. Uh, when they view his performance, but I thought he was okay outside of that play. I, I definitely seen better, and I sort of expected better from him just because. I mean, he's entering his third year in the league now. Um, you know, at some point, I, I would expect him to, you know, start making more strides and stuff, and hopefully, he's able to to rebound. So, would love to see it from him. Big game this Sunday for Jordan Whitehead. So that just about does it for the Buccaneers injury report. Let's take a look at the Panthers injury report. Now, three guys who we're concerned about. One of them is offensive guard Dennis Daly with an ankle injury. He did not participate today, so possibly a blow to that offensive line. Defensive end Yatur Gross Matos, I believe I pronounced that correctly, with an eye injury, did not participate at practice today. And then defensive tackle Kawan Short with a foot injury was limited participation today. And I'll tell you, out of those three names, the only one I think is going to play is probably Kawan Short. Um, yeah, yeah, probably. Uh, not having the Atiro Gross Matos would be pretty big. He's one of the the young pass rushers they got in the second round last year. Uh, I mean, this past draft. So, I mean, not having him would, would kind of hurt their pass rush. Uh, not having Kawan Short would be huge, I believe. I don't think Kawan Short participated in practice yesterday, but he was limited today. So I'd guess he's probably on track to play on Sunday. So, um, yeah, I mean, not having, of course, Matos would hurt, but, I mean, they, they definitely need Kawan Short to play. Because if you're out both those guys, it, it would be rough probably. It's going to it's gonna be really interesting, too, because Yatur Gross Matos, he's the one who is going to be going up against Donovan Smith. And, you know, I, I think it I believe on the injury report it was eyes slash concussion, I think, was the, the exact thing. So, you know, that's going to be interesting. You know, again, it's another opportunity for Donovan Smith to make things a little bit easier for him. But he still has a lot to prove because, you know, Yatur Gross Matos, you know, if he's out, then Donovan Smith's still going up against second and third string pass rushers, which we saw he didn't do great against yeah. in week one. I, I um, think I think their second uh, pass rusher is Stephen Weatherly, I think. Okay, so, you know, if it's Stephen Weatherly versus Donovan Smith, even more so of just Donovan Smith, please just show that you can block, please. If, if Donovan Smith had another bad game against Stephen Weatherly, another backup pass rusher, uh, ooh, that that confidence is really dropping quick at that point. It's free falling. But Kwan Short's so important too because uh, if he's even if he if he does play, he's still going to be in a limited capacity. Uh, Alex Kappa, Ryan Jensen, that's probably going to be the two guys that Kwan Short's going to be going up against. I imagine Derek Brown would probably be going up against um, probably Ali Marpet. You know, so to have Kwan Short be limited is a huge blow, and it would make Ali Marpet, or sorry, it would make uh, Alex Kappa's job a little bit easier as well. Absolutely. So 
Let's go ahead and move on. Let's get into the game preview itself and take a step back, look at how these two teams match up. What did the Panthers do last offseason? Well, they did quite a bit. They added Teddy Bridgewater at quarterback. They put a new coaching staff in place. They got former Baylor head coach Matt Rule replacing Ron Rivera as the head coach. They got former LSU offensive coordinator Joe Brady with the offense. So there's a lot of new pieces. I mean, they added Robbie Anderson on the offense. He's a, he's in a different role. Um, excuse me. They added a bunch of rookies on that de- on that defense through the draft. So this is in terms much different than what we have seen than you know even last year. Uh, from the Carolina Panthers. It's not the Cam Newton era anymore. It is the Teddy Bridgewater era. And they were not able to pull off the win against the Raiders in week one. So what does that mean for this team? Uh, I'm not exactly sure. Evan, when you look at Carolina, what are your first impressions of this team? Ron Rivera, Cam Newton, Luke Keekley, Greg Olson, Mario Addison. James Bradbury, what do all those names have in common? Those are all names that have contributed to the success of the Carolina Panthers since like 2015, and they're all gone. None of them are there. Not a single one of those guys are there. This, especially on defense, this turnover on defense has just been incredible to me. Uh, And it's something that the Bucs are going to have to take advantage of. Now, I will admit, Carolina looked better than I thought they would yesterday. Uh, yesterday, last week, uh, I, I thought that they played a pretty solid game, and uh, they got down by double digits, and then they end up coming back and were end up in the lead, and then gave up the lead. But I'll tell you, they were more impressive. Yes, uh, I almost said yesterday again. Jeez, um, I, I keep thinking this is the Monday show. So. They were more impressive than I thought they were going to be. Uh, so I, I really am not nervous, really, but I do think it's going to be. Now, initially in a season prediction show, I predicted that this game wouldn't be close. I do think it's going to be closer than I originally thought now. Um, just because after seeing these two teams play a game, I thought Teddy Bridgewater played okay. Like you said, it's a whole different whole different deal. I mean, Joe Brady, Teddy Bridgewater, uh, the, the one constant is obviously Christian McCaffrey, who is just going to do what he does, and it's the Bucks' job to shut him down. They did it last year. If they can do it again, I, I think they have a good shot to win, especially with Teddy Bridgewater, who's limited in what he can do as a passer. Um but at the end of the day, I think this this game is going to come down to this offense, uh, this offense with with veterans like a, you know a twenty a twenty year veteran at quarterback and uh, Mike Evans and Chris uh, Chris Godwin potentially most likely not uh, but you know Rob Gronkowski OJ Howard Cameron Brake even Ronald Jones all them guys are so experienced and this Panthers defense I mean. You see, you tear gross mottos. Might not play, but he's a rookie. Derek Brown, rookie. Brian Burns is his second year. Kawan Short, he's a veteran. Shaq Thompson, he's a veteran. Dante Jackson's in his third year. Uh, Jeremy Chin, the safety's a rookie. Troy Pride is a rookie. Uh, they are just starting so many inexperienced guys, and the Raiders threw pretty much all over them and ran all over them last week. So uh, I, I, I expect this offense to 
to rebound. I'm not going to, they're not putting up 50 points and it's not going to be pretty at times, but I think they'll rebound. And I mean, if they don't, then I think there's cause for concern because this is definitely a game where they, they should. You brought up Christian McCaffrey and, you know, Bucks fans are very well familiar with Christian McCaffrey. You don't have to talk very much about the guy. People know who he is, but when you do bring him up, you look at his stat line against the Raiders. He had 134 yards from scrimmage and two touchdowns. So the Buccaneers did shut him down last year, but again, different Carolina team. So the focus is going to be shutting him down as always. And then another thing you had brought up about Teddy Bridgewater I wanted to mention. I know he's somewhat limited as a passer, but Teddy always finds a way to burn people with his legs. And he can make some plays when he's rolling out of the pocket away from pressure. So you got to watch out for that as well. But a tough task for this defense. And I think if they handle both of them, they should win this game handily. James... What do you look at in this Panther team? Well, first thing, I look at that wide receiver core. You know, they they have a lot of speed on there. Curtis Samuel and Robbie Anderson. They've got a little bit of size in DJ Moore. Uh, you lost Greg Olson on that offensive side of the football. That's huge. But obviously, the offense still runs through Christian McCaffrey. Evan said, obviously, last year, Tampa Bay Buccaneers really did a good job of containing Christian McCaffrey. Devin White and Levante David both just came off a game where they both just had 11 tackles each. So it's up to them to really work and contain Christian McCaffrey. That's going to be a huge matchup in this upcoming game. But I'm still going to be kind of focused on that speed of, you know, Jamel Dean, Sean Murphy Bunting versus Curtis Samuel and Robbie Anderson. Uh, I imagine they'd probably put Carlton Davis on DJ Moore since they're both just that's kind of the size guy for the Panthers offense uh, wide receiver core. So. Yeah, there's going to be some really interesting matchups. Like you said, you can't really discount Teddy Bridgewater. I mean, we are very familiar with Teddy Bridgewater last year with the Saints. He did a pretty good job against us. Um, so to say to take Teddy Bridgewater lightly, I think would be a mistake. Um, another thing I'm going to be looking at is definitely the offensive line. Uh, comparing the offensive line of the Carolina Panthers to the New Orleans Saints, that's a big step down from week one to week two. Uh Russell Okung, Taylor Morton, they're good starting tackles, but I still expect more pass rush from Jason Pierre-Paul and Shaq Barrett in this game. And, you know, fair credit, Jason Pierre-Paul did get a sack on Drew Brees last week. That was awesome. Um, but I expect more now from the pass rush now that they're playing a little bit of a uh, weaker offensive line than they did compared to the Saints. Oh, absolutely. I'd love yeah. to see a big performance from the pass rush, specifically those two guys you mentioned, Jason Pierre-Paul and Shaq Barrett. Evan, I had cut you off right there. No, it's um, but what else are you looking at in this matchup? No, no, I just wanted to add to James's point. Well, one uh, one note, I do think the Panthers actually have kind of an underrated receiving core. Um, I think Robbie Anderson is a solid number two slash number three guy. Curtis Samuel can do a lot of different things in the backfield and out wide. And uh, yeah, DJ Moore, I think, has blossomed into a, a, a low-tier number one, high-tier number two type guy. Um, so, yeah, I think their receiving core is pretty underrated. Uh, but I want to go back to what you said about Jason Pierre-Paul and Shaq Barrett. The big thing with them is when you're able to get pressure, you don't have to blitz as much. And I think that's going to be pretty important because then when you're blitzing against this team with Christian McCaffrey, it's going to put McCaffrey likely one-on-one -on -one against either a safety or a linebacker with no real help. And if he makes one guy miss, it could be bad. So I don't know if you want to blitz this team as much. Bridgewater still gets the ball out pretty quick. So... 
I think, you know, being able to get a, a pass rush with a four-man rush or three-man rush, whatever it is, and not having to send that linebacker is is huge. Uh, Jason Pierre-Paul got his sack, but it was off of a blitz. That was the only way they were really able to get pressure on Breeze uh, last Sunday, and I think it's a huge key. If they're able to get consistent pressure, I think it's going to be a very long day for Bridgewater. But if they don't, it could be a long day for this defense. I, I think Bridgewater, if you give him time, he's just going to sit there and pick you apart and – then they can, you know, do play action and, and run. And um, I, I think it's pretty important for those two guys to, to step up. And also, I mean, Vita Vey and Adamic and up the middle. Um, Vita Vey, after watching the tape, had a little bit of a better game than originally thought. But Adamic and Sue still was like a non factor. He's got to show up a little bit more. So against, the, like you said, a Panthers offensive line that is definitely not on the same level as the Saints. So it's, it's time to show up. Yeah. Now, getting pressure on the passer is obviously very important to just making things happen on the defensive side of the ball. Something we didn't see a lot of last week, something we didn't see at all, were takeaways from this defense. And, um, you know, with pressure on the quarterback, it's going to come takeaways. So if that defensive line is able to perform, what are your guys' expectations for this secondary? Because, I mean, I, I think they did a really, really good job holding their own last week. They're in a much better spot than they were this time a year ago. And they're looking like, I guess based off of week one, the strongest part of that defense. But if the defensive line can show up and you can pressure Teddy Bridgewater, I feel like it's just picks all around at that point. Yeah, I mean, first thing, Carlton Davis looked phenomenal last week. He had a really good game. Hashtag number one corner. Uh, But, you know, he did a great job of containing Michael Thomas. I really think he'll do a pretty good job of containing DJ Moore. You know, again, another pretty big step down in terms of matchups and things like that. DJ Moore is still a pretty solid wide receiver, but Michael Thomas is one of the better wide receivers in the NFL. So, uh, you know, I still think Carlton Davis will play a good game. Uh, You know, Jamel Dean got almost got his fingertips on one. Um, I believe it was Sean Murphy Bunting got his hands on one as well. Couldn't bring it in because of the pass interference call. Yeah, yeah, caught it, caught it. But it was just, yeah, yeah, it was a pass interference call on Davis. Um, Right, yeah, right. It was play. um, well, the, well, I'm I'm thinking of two plays then because there was one where Sean Murphy Bunting dove and caught it, uh, and then there was there was that pass interference on Carlton Davis, and then there was another one with the Emmanuel Sanders play where Jordan Whitehead pulled down Emmanuel Sanders, and I believe it was Sean Murphy Bunting, or uh, it was okay, um, yep, 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 where he almost had a second he dropped run. it, yeah, but it was pass right. interference anyway, so he could have had two picks negated by pass interference. <laughs> Right. And then, you know, there was one more play. I don't remember where it was. I know it was uh, it was on the Buccaneers side of the field. I don't remember what quarter it was in, but it was a tipped Drew Brees pass. And Antoine Winfield Jr. was going for it. It was basically in no man's land to the right side of the field. And Antoine Winfield Jr. almost was able to run over there and make the play on that. So it's kind of a similar story to what it was last year, where it's like we're just so close. We're so close to getting a couple of turnovers, but we can't do it yet. Um Maybe this will be the breakout game where they do get it. Like you said, pressure always helps out with getting turnovers. So maybe we can see more of that. Um, yeah, I I would say hopefully, willingly, you know, we'll be able to get one or two interceptions here uh, if the pass rush does do its job. Yeah, and, and Teddy Bridgewater, I mean, he's a guy who is notorious for being able to get the ball out of the pocket. Like, he's not going to make many mental mistakes that will give you a lot of those turnovers. But the pressure most definitely helps. Now, we've covered the defense. Offensive side of the ball, I wanted to talk about it a little bit. Obviously, everyone's going to be looking at quarterback Tom Brady 
Looking to see how he bounces back this week. Looking to see how there's no miscommunication between him and his receivers. Everybody's on the same page and they can get this offense humming. At least those are the expectations this week. But, you know, I'll be, on, I'll be honest with you. I'm not super worried about Brady bouncing back. Like, I'm, I'm just, I'm not. Uh, he's still got it in him. You know what I mean? Like, I don't really think I need to sit here and think about it too hard. But what I am really, really interested in seeing this Sunday is how this run game develops. I, I appreciated that they did not abandon the run game last week. You know, I, I a lot of people said that we were just too quick to, you know, run the ball on first down. And I agree. I think maybe we ran the ball a little too much on first and 10. But you got to run the ball. And you're not going to get the run game going if you don't run the ball. So even if you only get two or three yards, run it again. See if you can break one. And a guy who ran hard as hell was Ronald Jones. You can see it on the game film when you look back at it. So if that run game, they can continue to commit to it. I feel like this is just the week that Ronald Jones kind of, you know, he breaks one for longer than 20 or 30 yards. I think he'll get his highlight run this week is what I'm trying to say. I'm just, I'm, I'm really excited to watch this run game. If, if you couldn't tell. <laughs> 25 rushes, 93 yards, and three touchdowns. What does that signif- signify? Josh Jacobs' stat line versus the Panthers last week. Had a pretty good day, huh? So I think there's definitely going to be some holes in that Panthers uh, defense where Ronald Jones could have a solid day. I think Fournette will get a few more carries. I, I seriously think, like the Bucks said, like they had a role for him. But like, I think now like he's going to really be able to like grasp the playbook and stuff. So, I mean, yeah, Jacobs got a ton of carries. I don't think Ronald Jones is going to get 25 carries. Um just because there's still a Bruce Arians offense, I don't think they're going to really commit to a run like that. But he ran pretty much wild on them last week, and like I said, for three scores. So I think they, they'll want to establish it early, especially. And, I mean, the Bucks, I saw a stat. like They were like really good off play action. I forget what the numbers were, but like Brady had like thrown like it was like six attempts off play action. Like four of them were complete. And something else like that. Um, the one to OJ touchdown was play action. Um, so I think that can open up that a little bit more. So it's definitely important to establish it. I, I feel like they were a little bit predictable. Uh, at one, once once you got into mid-second quarter or so and they had a first down, you pretty much knew it was a run and it just it didn't go anywhere. Um, so, I mean, I think they have to sort of recognize, like, okay, like you got to recognize early, like in that first quarter, you got to recognize, okay, the run's not going to work. Like this is not going to work for today, which is fine. But I think they just they recognized it too late, and that this offense, this offense isn't built like the Tennessee Titans. This offense is built to throw the football. This offense isn't built to be a power run scheme. So um, I wouldn't say abandon it because I think it's very important, but. I would try to find a balanced attack, but if it's not working, recognize it early and go away from it. Yeah, I think more play action is definitely what's going to be good. I mean, Tom Brady, dude, he's notoriously good for his play action. Like I know in Madden every single year, it seemed like his play action was like a 95 or higher. You know what I mean? So he's definitely one of the best in the game. It doesn't surprise many people at all that the Buccaneers offense is good in play action. And another point that was made was... You know, the run game doesn't really have to be working for play action to work. Like, you can catch an offense sleeping if the run game isn't working. If it's first down and they're expecting you to run, you bust out the play action. Even though you've been getting two, three yards per carry, every time you run on first down, they may bite for that play action. You get a big gain downfield, big momentum play. It's football. 
everybody knows the rest of the story from there. So what else are we looking at on this offense? James, I wanted to get your take and see what you're, uh, see what you're looking at this Sunday. I mean, you know, obviously the running back room, like you said, is going to be huge. When you lose Luke freaking Keekly, you know, Hall of Fame caliber player, you expect those running backs to get going. Josh Jacobs had over 100 total yards. I'm looking at all three running backs. Because uh, LaShawn McCoy, I just looked it up. He was out there for 30 36% of the offensive snaps for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers this past Sunday. Uh, Ronald Jones was out there for 47%. Leonard Fournette was out there for 13%. So I'm curious to see how they use the running backs. Uh, I wonder if they would even take some snaps away from LaShawn McCoy and possibly give them to Leonard Fournette because I'm going to be honest, I wasn't necessarily impressed with LaShawn McCoy in week one. I mean, he, he didn't do a ton. I mean, he just didn't. It's not like he did bad. I think I only saw him have one, maybe one bad play, but it was just like the only wasn't play noticeable. that I remember from his performance on Sunday was not a good play. So I guess that just sums up his afternoon. He right. tried to pass block and he got blown up. Right, you know, and I think he had caught another pass. He ran backwards a little bit. Yeah. Uh, you know, just definitely seemed like a non-factor in that offense. So I'm curious if they're going to, you know, try and have Leonard Fournette and Ronald Jones be the two main guys coming in versus the Panthers. I mean, in my opinion, that's probably what it should be. Um, and just see how that works, you know. Um, on the offensive side of the f- football, uh, you know, besides that, though, I'm curious as to what they're going to do in the slot now if Chris Godwin isn't going to go, because uh, I know Bruce Arians was, you know, when they'd been making comparisons of, oh, Scotty Miller's Julian Edelman. That was easy, <laughs> you know, and, and Bruce Arians said, no, he plays outside. He's not really a slot guy. Like we put him in there sometimes, but Chris Godwin's our slot guy and we're not taking snaps away from Chris Godwin. Now that Chris Godwin's hurt for this upcoming game, I wonder who they're going to put in that slot. I don't know if they're just going to move Scotty Miller over there and maybe put Justin Watson on the outside. I don't know if they're going to put Justin Watson in the slot. I'm not sure. Actually, that's kind of something I want your guys' thoughts on because that's something that's I'm curious about. I think you could see Tyler Johnson here. I think you could see a little bit of Tyler Johnson for the first time uh, in, the, in the slot. I, I think you'd see... Probably, I would guess more of Scotty Miller. Um, when they go three wideouts, I would expect probably the three wideouts to be Evans and Watson on the outside with Miller inside. Just what I would expect. But I think you could see a little bit of Tyler Johnson here. And I, I think that if they want Miller on the outside, I think Johnson might be a better option in the slot than uh, Justin Watson would be. So hey, I'd love to see Tyler Johnson in that slot for sure, man. So. Here on the Game Preview Show, we like to wrap things up with something called the Weekly Checklist. And basically what it is, I just write down three points, and the Bucks kind of need to do these things if they're going to win the football game on Sunday. So let's jump right into it. Boys, if at any point you have anything else you want to add to the Weekly Checklist, you go right ahead because I'm sure the Bucks need all the help they can get. <laughs> so... First thing on the weekly checklist, uh, don't let Teddy make plays with his legs. You know, we, we kind of talked about this a little bit earlier. Um, Teddy Bridgewater, you look at him, I look at a pretty balanced quarterback. I mean, he's, you know, he's a jack of all trades. You can hit the deep ball if you really want him to. Not always, but he can hit it. Um, he can do a lot of check downs very, very well. And Evan, you brought up what he is limited in as a passer he definitely makes up for for being able to get away from pressure in the pocket he he is not to be slept on yeah. when it comes to those wheels man he can get away from you and uh he can burn you for 20 30 40 yards quicker than you expect 
Drew Brees isn't going to run. Teddy Bridgewater can run. He's, <laughs> Teddy Bridgewater isn't Lamar Jackson, but he also isn't Tom Brady or Peyton Manning or Drew Brees. So, yeah, he, he can – if you give him a hole, yeah, he, he's going to be able to, to run, and he's going to take it, and he's probably going to slide. He's not going to try to fight for extra yards or whatever, but he'll take the eight, nine yards every time you give it to him, and that'll add up. Hey, and, and call it a bold prediction, uh, but I want to come out here right now and say that come Sunday – I think Teddy Bridgewater will be the leading rusher for that Panthers offense. I think the Bucks defense will do a really, really good job of shutting down McCaffrey, maybe hold him to, you know, something like 50, 60 yards for, from scrimmage. Um, you know, similar to a day they did to Alvin Kamara. But uh, I'm expecting Teddy to maybe burn us once or twice because he always finds a way to do that. So next thing here on the weekly checklist, uh, don't abandon the run game. I, I feel like we also just talked about this, and I think this one – you might as well put on the weekly checklist every single week. Like, I am a passionate run game guy. And Evan, you brought up a great point. The Bucks offense is not the best at, you know, the run game. They're not a Titans offense. They don't have Derrick Henry back there. But the run game humming allows you to come out with a much more balanced approach. And then I think it just gives you a higher success rate overall for when you hit those play actions, when you take those big shots downfield. And those definitely matter in the game of football. Your thoughts, well, I mean, I guess we already kind of talked about it, but yeah, don't abandon the run game. Do you guys have anything else you want to add to the weekly checklist? Yes. Uh, this one's... I have I have one also, so I'll go after James. Uh, I've also got one more, so once you guys throw yours up, I'll finish it up. Communicate. Communicate in chemistry. Yeah. Good Lord, please, please just communicate and have better chemistry. And I don't mean... Just the offense. Yes, Donovan, you know, whatever communication needs to go along the offensive line to have them do some better things, that needs to happen. One thing that I was uh, looking at before we got into this uh, podcast was uh, I thought, okay, well, let me see how Alex Kappa played. There was way too many times when Alex Kappa just looked kind of confused and he didn't know who to help on a double team. He didn't know if he had to help Tristan Wirfs or Ryan Jensen. Uh, Get better communication along the offensive line. Uh, that's huge for Donovan Smith's sake and for Alex Kappa's sake. Alex Kappa overall didn't have a very bad game, but you need to communicate better on the offensive line. Uh, you need to have better, better chemistry between Tom Brady and the offensive line and Tom Brady and the wide receivers as well. The big thing, the Mike Evans miscommunication that led to an interception. Um, that's things that need to be corrected on offense. Special teams, Mike Edwards. Can we talk for a minute, buddy, <laughs> pal, me amigo? Look, I like Jadon Mickens. I think he's a great person, friend of the channel. Uh, hopefully, hey, maybe he'll get some opportunities as a slot wide receiver. Just wanted to get that point out there. But um, you can't do that. You just can't do that. That was, you know, middle school level, in my opinion. Bruce Arians, I thought, was generous when he said high school level. You just don't do that. You don't run backwards on a kickoff and then go, I'm going to get it. Where did you plan on going with that, my guy? You were going to go out of bounds, you know? Like, Jadon had it. Jadon was on his knees going, why? Why have you done this? <laughs> it, it, it was it was incredible. Uh, we, we can't have that. Not this year, not with our quarterback, you know? And I get that some of these young guys, they probably got a little too excited. They probably thought to themselves a little bit of like, Oh, snap, this is happening. Tom Brady's our quarterback. I've got to make a play. I've got to do something to to prove that, you know, hey, I, I, I'm contributing, you know, and, like, try and overachieve. Just do your job. Just do your job, you know, communicate what's going on, and just, just do that. Special teams, really big problem there, you know, with the blocked field goal. 
and also in that kickoff return as well. And then on offense, we just need to see better chemistry. So communication, chemistry, please, starting this week with the Panthers. So mine is going to be sort of like James's, but not like James's. Ryan suck up. Make the kicks. <laughs> Just make them because here's the deal. Matt Gay, I believe, made every kick in the Superdome last year. Chandler Catanzaro, week one in the Superdome in 2018, made every kick. Kickers have not had issue kicking in domes as much as they have kicking at Raymond James Stadium. This is Ryan Suckup's first test at Raymond James Stadium. And that south end zone, who basically cost the career of Matt Gay in Tampa, uh, it doomed him. And um, so just make just make them. Make the make If you miss a 60-yarder, who cares, right? Just you know, anything under 40 has got to be in. That that That's a big key. Because this is a game where I think if, if you... This is a game where I think you won't be dominating so much to where, you know, one or two missed field goals won't come back to bite you because it will. Um, you know, because then you end up giving the Panthers a shorter field and maybe momentum shifts. So just make the kicks you're supposed to make and get on out of here with the W. That's a very fair perspective. I mean... Buccaneers fans are all too familiar with the importance of a kicker, and Ryan Suckup definitely a big test on his shoulders, and I guess his cleats this Sunday. That was bad. That was bad. Let's just move on. So closing out the weekly checklist, this one seems pretty obvious, um, but Donovan Smith just needs to block. Like, I've just got his name by himself on the weekly checklist because it seemed like everybody else in that offensive line was able to do a pretty okay job, um, except for him. So as long as he can improve, as long as he can show us that he is the, as Evan puts it, the average left tackle that he is, um, I think if he has an average day against Carolina, then Brady is going to have a much better day against Carolina than he did New Orleans. And, and that's pretty much that. I need Donovan Smith to step it up, do his job this week, and hopefully get some rhythm rolling for the rest of the season. Because as time goes on, these games count more and more. You can't let ones like last week happen every single week. But hopefully it won't because I have trust that this Buccaneers team will come out disciplined and they will definitely fix their mistakes. But ladies and – sorry, go ahead, James. I was going to say, uh, you know, obviously when I was charting everything, I counted Donovan Smith getting beat pretty badly about 10 times, okay? And I feel like I was being pretty generous. Alex Kappa, I only counted him really getting beat four times pretty badly one of those times being on that blocked field goal he marcus hunt just completely blew right past him yeah. and blocked that field goal um if donovan smith doesn't do let's just say you gross matos doesn't play okay and it's steven weatherly and whoever else the third string defensive end would be against donovan smith if donovan smith doesn't show improvement in this upcoming game what do we think about that? Is it time to panic or is, you know, cause that'd be the second game in a row where he's playing backup pass rushers and he's not performing well. So what, what, think what would we think? He's probably benched. Uh, I, I would assume he's probably benched for Joe Haig or Josh Wells. I, I think that would be a solution I, that Tristan Warfs is not moving to left tackle after two games in the NFL. That's not happening. Um, so I, I think in that scenario, he would be benched. It's, they're not going to trade for some all-star like some fans want. Uh, that's not going to happen. Uh, so I think he'd be benched, and they'd look to start Haig or Josh Wells over at left tackle. Yeah. I, I mean, at this point, you know, I, I just – I think um, 
I think in the film room, they take a good look at it. But when you look at it, you know, from a fan's perspective, Donovan Smith just doesn't, he's not able to get away with it anymore. You don't have Jameis Winston back there anymore. And, and I know that they see it in the film room, but last Sunday was bad. And let's just hope that it was a bad game in an otherwise um, average career. <laughs> or he steps it yeah. up, he earns his money, and he proves us all wrong. That is the much better case situation in this scenario. But ladies and gentlemen, that's just about going to do it for this episode of the Cannon Fire Podcast. Thank you so much for checking us out with video on YouTube or listening on any major podcast platform. Of course, it is the podcast, so we get you updated over there as well. Make sure you check out James and his content. He does a really great job. You can check him out on YouTube at Mr. Bucks Nation. James, tell the people a little bit a little bit about yourself as if they don't already know. I make YouTube videos. There you so go. They're <laughs> that's it. That's good. I don't know. We talk about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. It's great. Uh, I I have a uh, uh, a great time making YouTube videos. It's very fun. We talk about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers just like you guys. It's great. We're all hanging out on YouTube and making videos, and it's fun. I've been trying to upload every day. It's so hard. Evan, it's so Evan, look at me. Evan, it's so hard making YouTube videos every day. It's incredible. Why do you have to make eye contact with me and say that? <laughs> it's yeah, you can find it in Mr. Bucks Nation here on YouTube, all one word, all together. Um it's great. It's good stuff. There you go. I'll make sure to link all of his stuff in the description as well. So make sure you guys go check out our good friend. Mr. Bucks Nation. Follow the show on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All of those are Cannon Fire Podcast. It's basically the best place to go for any updates on the show and, of course, any Buccaneer news as it happens and comes out. You can check out my co-host on social media, Instagram at Bucks underscore daily, the number one Buccaneers fan page on Instagram. And you can check him out on Twitter at EvanNFL. How's Twitter been treating you, Evan? Twitter's Twitter. That's... It's not going to change. So some days you go on there and you're like, oh, this is nice. And other days you're like, I should delete this app. I don't know why I have it. But, yeah. I figured now that football's back and we have more relevant things. Oh, it's even worse now that football's back, though. Oh, because now man. you get the people that don't know what they're talking about just spouting off hot takes. Just like myself. And if you guys want to witness that, go follow oh, and, me on Twitter. And, and, me, and me, too. <laughs> go follow Not me on much. Twitter at Redicus. If you follow me, I promise I'll follow you back. You can also follow me on Instagram. If you follow me over there, I will follow you back. I am Rhett Matthew signing off for James Hill and my co-host Evan Wanish. We appreciate you guys listening to our show. We'll talk to you Monday after the game. Go Bucks. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.